Hello, Don. Hi, Ben. Don, I'm pausing uh, my uh, Dropbox. That's uh, that's good. I'm uh, dropping my uh, pause box. Ah, you should pick it up. <laughs> you, oh, you should catch it. Is your Whoa. refrigerator running? <laughs> um, hey, so so yesterday I thought I might be dying, but I'm not. I'm, everything's fine. I was just being dramatic. Well, you didn't say dying. You just said uh, you might be indisposed. Oh, I, I, I wanted to shield you from what I thought was the cold, hard facts. Um, <sighs> I didn't want you to be uh, tense. Uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to worry you. Um, but uh, there was a there was a two hour period yesterday afternoon where I thought I might might be dying. That my um, that there might have been a perforation somewhere in my in my stomach. Or oh my. my intestines. Yeah, no. Oh, I, so it's pretty bad. Oh yeah, pretty bad. Like, but but not real. Like I, I might have overreacted slightly. Um, I had some I had some cramping, and I had some uh, as as it's known in our business, I had some loose stool. Oh, you don't want to you don't want to loose stool. You want to tighten that up. Well, but not too tight. Not too tight. It's true. You want medium medium stool. Something so, something like uh, like that Doctor Oz uh, episode or multiple episodes uh, when he we used to go on uh, Oprah and talk about uh, stool. You know about that? Uh, I think uh, we we might have touched on it briefly in the <laughs> podcast before. Um, I hope but, we washed uh, our hands after we touched. On yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was. I, I had uh, it was. It was weird. I had like. Uh, I just didn't feel didn't feel right, and mm. uh, and then I, I had um, more more trips to the restroom than uh, than typical, mm. and I wish uh, this is these are all the things that went through my head yesterday. So yesterday, just to put things in um, temporal context for our listeners, yesterday was February sixth which is the day after February 5th, which is when the Super Bowl was happening or did happen. Mm. And you know that uh, there have been people that have lobbied uh, to have the day after the Super Bowl be a, a holiday. Have you heard about mm-hmm. that? You heard about that? I've, I have heard about that. Apparently, uh, because people do things at the Super Bowl that might uh, might leave them. Uh, and Well, and Super Bowl uh, always happens on Sunday, hence the name Super, Super Bowl, Bowl Sunday. Sunday yeah. And uh, our apologies to everyone who's listening to this, not from the United States, but we are talking about American football. That is the one uh, with the pointy ends, even even pointier uh, than rugby. Um, the ball, ball is even pointier than the rugby ball. It, and uh, apparently it's only important in the United States. But but it's so important in the United States that, uh, as Ben says, uh, uh, maybe we should have a holiday after because uh, apparently people people might overindulge, uh, I guess. I, you know, absolutely. And so my my fear yesterday was as I bailed on things and, um, and went home was that I, I thought that people might think that I overindulged on Super Bowl Sunday, which I did none of that. Um, I, I didn't even I. I was at a hockey arena all day, and then I came home and watched the second half while uh, while I ate some barbecue that I picked up on the way home. Mm. But but you know it's suspicious, right? It's like oh sure you're not feeling well because yesterday was was a Super Bowl and everyone was was eating wings and, and drinking beer. Um, so so anyway, it wasn't it wasn't related to that at all. Uh, I don't know. I, well, it could have been could have been related to the barbecue. I guess it could have been. Um, although the the entire family ate the barbecue. Mm. Uh, the attack rate was was yet just one in four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it could it could have been, uh, but I it was also I don't even know if it was 
something that was uh, foodborne or pathogen related, or if I just wasn't feeling my my right self. Because uh, I, I slept um, yesterday afternoon from about four o'clock right through until seven o'clock this morning, save for a couple of times I woke up and checked email and went on the Twitter and and did that. And and I woke up wow. this morning fine, like totally wow. t- totally back to normal. I didn't have my my last. Uh, um, I'm sure this is riveting for you and others, but my last unplanned bathroom uh, visit was uh, was at about 3.30 yesterday afternoon, which was about the, like, I don't know, 15th of the day, um, more than, more, much more than normal. And, uh, and then this morning I woke up and I was, I, I, Danny w- and I, we woke up at 7 and I said, hey, I'm going to drive the kids to school. I'm, ba- I'm better. I'm back. I'm back hmm. and better than ever. <laughs> That's, that's so exciting. It that's was so exciting. Well, and yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad you're okay. And I'm glad we didn't have to uh, reschedule. Now, do you think, so we, we've, we've shared, you and I shared some, or you, you shared some speculation uh, via text message um, that you thought it might be, uh, uh, I guess what the proper term would be family born illness. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, something that one of your little uh, dirt devils brought home, uh, and then your wife was sick, and then uh, you yeah. think you might have got from her. But but again, like so many um, um, uh, of these gastrointestinal events that that plague us, uh, we just in many cases we don't know, right? Yeah, right, exactly. And and who knows? I, who who even knows if it's a. Uh, if it's a, a pathogen that's been identified yet, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like maybe it's something else. But yeah, it was uh, it was weird. Danny also had a couple of days of uh, similar symptoms. We both described it as I just had really bad like cramps, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, and she you know she had similar uh, similar situation last week, and then uh, you know a day later um, she was feeling better. So. And and the boys, neither of them. I blame them in the in the text because they're just in like in general they're dirty, like right. they they touch a lot of things. They they are around other like like dirty children, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and they bring things home. And and as much as I have one, I have one child, Jack, who who is very diligent about hand washing. Hmm. I have another child, Sam, who I'm 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 ashamed to say. Uh, I think really does not like washing his hands and will do anything to avoid washing his hands. Uh, and, and I, uh, I think he's, uh, he's the one I got my eyes on now. So to what, this is fascinating. So to what do you attribute the differences in their behavior? Is it something that you did? Is it, yeah. is it uh, first child, second child? Uh, is it, is it, is it innate? Is it something in his DNA that makes him uh, want to be unhygienic? <laughs> what would you, what would you say? I don't know. It may be something in his DNA that makes him want. He is drastically more defiant. Mm, okay. Which, which could be other like which could could have all those other factors, right? Like it could be first right. child, second child. It could be some some. Uh, I, I'd like to say a genetic imbalance. You know, more defiance coming obviously from his mother's side. Of course. Um, than, than, than from me. Uh, <laughs> of course, you're just a sweetheart. I'm just a sweetheart. I'm just yeah. I, but 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 Jack, so Jack gets very emotional, um, hmm. in, in his response. Like if he doesn't want to do something, um, it, it is the end of the world, and he wants me to know that it's the end of the world. And he may even um, bring out some uh, some whining and some crying, but he's going to do it. Right. Where, where Sam, 
shows no remorse. Mm-hmm. And he will just say, oh, yeah, sure, sure. I'm going to go do that. And then just never. And then not. Yeah, just <laughs> never, ever do it. And then I'll say, hey, you wash your hands, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 wash them really well. And then I, I go and I check the soap pump or the bar of soap because I know I know this trick. And I say, oh, it's dry. And he said, oh, yeah, I use the other bathroom. And then I go, like, I mean, this is just a whole, like, uh, dr- play that we have. So then mm-hmm. I go to the other bathroom and I check and I go, oh, it's dry. And he goes, oh, yeah, I didn't do it. <laughs> and, and I feel but, like- but, only, but only after you've checked the second location. Correct. Correct. Ugh. I feel like this is, and it's probably a metaphor, or, or, or a, maybe it's not a metaphor. Maybe it's just a precursor to what my, the rest of my life with him will be like. Uh, yeah, I keep an eye on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's sneaky about it. He doesn't get emotional. Jack, I know. Like, if we challenge him on something that he doesn't do, he'll get so upset. Where Sam shows no, no, no emotional response whatsoever. So anyway, I, it could be. It's like more likely that that Sam um, did something at school, brought it home. I touched something, and then mm-hmm. and, you know whatever. He's also the the child that um, it will will constantly go to the restroom without flushing the toilet, which is a it's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> and I'm talking. Number one, number two, number three. Right. Well, you know, you know when it's uh, when it's yellow, uh, let it mellow, right? When yeah. it's brown, it's brown, flush it down yeah. is, is what the saying is. But but his 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 uh, saying is when it's yellow or it's brown, let it mellow, which which doesn't scan at all. It doesn't, and he's as well as being somewhat unhygienic. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. My kids are the worst. <laughs> Do you? Okay. Now that we're down this path, mm-hmm. do you? So. You 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 travel sometimes, right? Like you've been to hotels. Yep. I go to hotels. When I'm at home, I, I am very um, I, I like it's it's innate into me that when I go to the restroom, I, I flush the toilet. I got a whole I got a whole system, Don. It goes like this: I go in there, I do my thing, I flush the toilet, I wash my hands, I leave. I actually take that time as a um, a respite from the rest of my day. Where they're in, it's it's like my own, uh, I, it's like I'm on holiday for for uh, you know a, a, a one to, to eight minutes, and and no one's gonna bother me in there, and I like I like that whole situation. So I'm in I'm in no rush to leave. Mm-hmm. When I go to a hotel, Don, I for whatever reason find myself not flushing a toilet, and I go back into that restroom the second time and think. Why didn't I flush the toilet? And hmm. it only happens to me at at, at, uh, at hotels. But it's it's not a conscious nope. decision. Not conscious at all. Yeah, I think it's it's probably just uh, you're out of your element. You're out of your routine. You know, it's at home. You're in. You know, you're just you're just in a routine. Whereas if you're if you're not at home, you're you're just out of your out of your routine. So, but that that is kind of weird. It is weird. It's fascinating to think about it. For me, it's fascinating mm-hmm. when I think. About it. <laughs> It's 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 is it fascinating to you? Is this is this the kind of thing that you thought you you might talk about today? Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, there's two questions there. Yes and no. So so <laughs> yes, I think. Well, the, your particular bathroom habits. You know, I could take it or leave it, right? I mean, but but the idea. <laughs> but I love I love like behavior and routine and what happens when you break from routine. I mean, I, I love, I love those kind of things like why, or like, gee, here I'm doing a thing that's seems not sensical. Let me, let me 
analyze this scientifically. Let me see if I can figure out why uh, why this thing is happening that doesn't quite make sense. So, so you now that's sort of the scientist in me that like wants to figure stuff out, um, and uh, and that I find fascinating. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> I wonder now that we're really analyzing this. I wonder if it's the fact that. I, I, I take my, my restroom breaks as my respite in my normal routine, but when I'm in a hotel room, it's like I'm on, it's all vacation, right? Like whatever mm. goes on in that, in that room is, is a break from my, from normal, right? What, like, whatever, whatever happens in the hotel bathroom stays, stays in the hotel bathroom. Exactly. Literally it stays there. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, so I'm not watching anything, Don, but I am listening to a lot of stuff. Isn't that weird? I'm watching. I'm watching a lot of CNN, and it might kill me. Yeah, um, I. Yeah, I. Uh, you have to. I don't. Uh, I don't watch much. I hardly watch any news television. Um, I get my news from Twitter and Facebook, uh, which apparently is what you're supposed to do now. And uh, I. Uh, I just need to take a break uh, now and again. Uh, like for for example, um, last night. Um, we watched Dr. Doolittle, uh, oh. the, the, original, uh, the original Dr. Doolittle with Rex Harrison, a uh, delightful break from reality. Nice. And, and the other thing, and I put this in, in, the, in the, the, the show notes uh, Dropbox um, because I wanted to talk about it, is there's a wonderful, wonderful movie uh, that we watched the night before, which was it's, – it's, it's, it's called um, – oh, I'm going to get this wrong, but uh, uh, the – uh, search for the Wilder People. I think I've got that right. Let me hunt, hunt uh, for the Wilder People. Hunt for the Wilder People. Yes. So, um, which which is again, this just shows you the, sort of the way the way that we discover um, uh, media these days. So, the uh, the 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 male lead in this, uh, the the older male lead in this, is a guy by the name of Sam Neill, who is a uh, British actor, um, Irish, I think. And, um, and, uh, uh, we saw him on an episode of Graham Norton, which is another, another British show that we watch. And he was plugging this movie and, you know, Kristen and I looked at each other and said, you know, that looks like a really interesting movie. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's set in New Zealand. And the, the lead is this wonderful, um, uh, New Zealand, um, um, Maori boy who go basically the, the, the short, version of the plot as he goes into he's in the foster care system and he goes to live with this couple uh, who live out on this farm in the middle of you know idyllic uh, New Zealand somewhere and it's just um, it's just absolutely uh, just a delightful movie and and highly recommended we we rented it on uh, on iTunes I think it's a four dollar rental or something and it's just it's one of these lovely little movies, you know, that come out of New Zealand or, or places like that. And it just was, uh, it just was a lot of fun. And it was just a, it's just a, just a nice, a nice entertaining diversion from all the, the crap that's going on in the, in the real world. All right. I'm uh, I'm going to check this out. I, um, Sam Neill, you know, we, we know him from uh, Jurassic Park. Yes, yeah. exactly. And he's all, he was also in Hunt for Red October, he but yes, was. those are probably best known for is, is both of those. Uh, he was in a two, two Jurassic Park movies and also uh, uh, the Hunt for Red October. So yeah, good well, stuff. Excellent. I'll check, I'll check that out. Um, reminds me, did you ever, did you ever see the movie, the, uh, the castle uh, Australian movie about uh, these people that uh, have a house right at the edge of a, of an airstrip in somewhere in, in Australia? No. Oh, you got to check this out. One of, one of my favorite movies. Um, it, it, and, and I don't even know how I got onto this. Like, I just had a friend who 
um, who, who this is this is back like 15 years ago. Uh, let me see if I can uh, find this on the on the wiki. 1997, The Castle, Australian film. Uh, I don't know if where it exists. You should watch this movie. It's good. Okay, cool. Yeah, they're, they're in Melbourne, in Coolaroo. <laughs> okay, Gazuntite. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, so uh, so I did. I, I said that I didn't watch anything. I haven't watched a lot of TV, mm. other than uh, is it, two things have, have popped up a lot since we talked last. A lot of CNN. And a lot of um, uh, HGTV house hunter type shows. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I watched. Uh, I, I like Love It or List It. You ever watch that show? No, we're you know the only reality ish type shows we watch are are probably uh, well we used to watch Dirty Jobs back when that was a show and uh, you know cooking shows but not but not really uh, not really the, re- the reality type cooking shows so no uh, no my my uh, well, and we did on the last episode of this show, we did we did briefly watch an episode, a part of an episode of This Old House. Right, right, yeah, we, yeah, exactly. It's part, of, <laughs> but but no, that is not that. And actually, that's it's my 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 brother and his wife uh, do like those uh, 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 antiques road show and and the the house hunting things. Yeah, that's this that they're they're into that. But no, it's not it's not our cup of tea. So we, uh, Dan, Danny really likes it. Um, and, and by extension, I, I, I watch it and I, and I've now I'm become, I don't know, I, I'm, I'll watch it, it, it le- more, less than I'm watching it more than it's just background. And we are in, in a phase where we are, we are actually looking, you know, passively looking at houses, uh, to oh, move really? to. Yeah. Yeah. We're in, we're, we like, there are things that we like, we love about our neighborhood and there are things that, um, we don't love about our house. And as Danny's. <laughs> Um, business has grown. Mm, um, mm-hmm. She she has uh, overtaken uh, our two car garage and our dining room and oh, sometimes wow. our kitchen. So, yeah, and we so she needs more space and yeah, and, and so we're looking like these are the things that we now value as we um, and I say passively. It's not like we we've looked at a few houses. We went to a couple of open houses. We're just like waiting for the right situation and, and we are valuing very large garages with lofts. Um, right. and, and so, so anyway, there was, uh, this, this show, love it or list it. Um, they've, they've done two seasons in Raleigh. So it's kind of like, I'm looking at houses that I can't possibly buy, but I'm like, Oh, I, Hey, this looks like a house that I might like. And it happens to be in my town. Hmm. Um, but it's, uh, it's kind of a nice, uh, it, 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 I, I like, I like the show. It's a bit campy. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the the families. So here's the premise: they you you are live in a house. There are things that you don't like about your house. They bring a designer in who's going to do a renovation. They bring in a real estate person who's going to find you another house. They do the renov like the renovation goes through. You look at a bunch of houses, and at the end of the show, you make a decision: Do I love, love it or list it? Yeah, house or do we list it? Cool. And uh, but they but they um, they really play out some of the um, some of the people on the show. Like they're real people, but they, I think they just sometimes make them seem like dicks, like on, on purpose, like for, um, uh, for comedic and dramatic purposes. Sure. So, so anyway, check, check it out. It's, it, it's well done. Um, and the characters are not, uh, you know, the, they're not my favorite people, the designer and the, uh, um, and the real estate person, um, uh, Hillary and uh, his name is let's say let's say John maybe, mm-hmm. uh, but it's yeah it's it's 
it's decent background. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got we got that. The other thing, so that was that's been on. Um, but uh, we went to see uh, Hidden Figures. Oh, I've been. I really want to see that. It's awesome. We took the, we took the kids, and they. It's a it's a PG movie, and it's it's like a, you know kind of heavy, not heavy, but it's not. I mean, it's not like we took them to see Rogue One, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no. Uh, there's no explosions. There's no planets and star destroyers. Or right, it's 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 a it's not it's not an action adventure movie. It's it, and it's and again, it, maybe it has some elements of suspense in it, but really, it's just about it's really about people uh, like uh, like typing at computers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or or before they even had computers. Tom. Oh man, it was amazing. Oh. People just doing calculations, and oh. the both both boys are very much into space and and mm-hmm. very much into the idea of science and uh, it was a it's a great really great movie um well done and they were captivated i was captivated it was it was nice and then we we got to talk um on the way home we got to talk about racism Mm. um which was so for listeners who have kids and 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 you want to tackle some of the more prescient you know, current day issues. It was a good introduction, like not introduction. I mean, we talked about race and stuff before, but I, we've never really um, exposed the the kids in a like. Here's a situation that happened a while ago, and here's how it it, it still plays out today. And and it was it was a really good. Um, it was a it was a it, it was a, a good conversation starter, and the, yeah. movie, and the movie was fantastic. Cool. Yeah, it was really cool. good. Good. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably wait for it to come out. Uh, you know, where we can watch it in our living room. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's not the kind of thing we'll go make a trip to the theater to see. But yeah, it, it's I've heard a lot of good things about it. So well, yeah, check check it out. It was uh, it was it was pretty awesome. Um, and we we went to this theater that only has reclining seats. I think we talked about oh, this. It's yeah, the only, it's the only way to go now. Yeah, that's the, the the theater that's at the mall near us is all that way, and it's just uh, and you and it's all dedicated seats. Like you go online, yeah. you buy a seat, and that is your seat that you sit in, and it's uh, it's it's quite good. So and they got beer, they got pizza. Ooh. Oh yeah, it's no, they don't have beer at our our uh, thing, but they 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 think they have pizza. But anyway, it's 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 pretty nice. Yeah, they've uh, <laughs> there's a very funny. I forget where I where I oh it was maybe an episode it was an episode the most recent so Portlandia has started again oh yeah there's a, there's a recent episode of Portlandia where they go to the movies and it's just it's a very funny uh, sketch because they're trying to make the movies more like uh, when you watch something at home and it, it stands up in typical Portlandia spoof uh, style uh, uh, I would I would recommend it so good good stuff so we're enjoying uh, we're enjoying Portlandia again. Awesome. Uh, Portlandia is so great. I, I am only a Portlandia viewer in the um, Netflix uh, binge sense. Mm-hmm. So I have not finished. What is it? Is it season five that's on or six maybe? Whatever is current. Uh, se- seven is the is the new season okay. that just uh, just premiered on January 5th. So I am uh, about four episodes into season six. Okay. Uh, I, li- I like they're they're funny. They're funny people. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, so. Hey, speaking of speaking of funny people, just to one more pop culture reference to kind of tie things back into to the current situation. Did you see um, um, uh, Melissa McCarthy as Sean as uh, uh, Sean Spicer? Oh, did I see it? I, I <laughs> did. I ever. I watched. It, I watched it like four times. I, I watched it in real time, and it was like a surprise because we've we've now made uh, SNL like appointment viewing again. So we were waiting up. I, 
Saturday nights are largely a hockey viewing uh, uh, night in our in our uh, house, and then the hockey's done, and we watch SNL, and then it was later on in the episode, and I was like, who is that? And exactly. It was, it was so good. It was one of the greatest uh, greatest skits of all time. So so yeah. great. And he's, uh, it sounds like he's, uh, he was not happy about it, but then he was okay with it. And he said, uh, slow down on the gum chewing. Oh, Sp- Spicer, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh. And, I, and then, and, and, you know, back into my uh, CNN viewing, uh, they reported that he chews uh, somewhere like uh, 35 pieces of uh, cinnamon gum uh, before noon every day. <laughs> yeah, I think that was I re- remember hearing that statistic and I'm not sure where I heard it. I want to say probably uh, the Trump cast uh, podcast that I've been listening to. And I, oh, and I do I do have your recommendation for uh, for that episode of Pod Save America, but but haven't watched it yet. So you, uh, it's so, so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, yep. it's, Pod, on the, it's on the list. I'm, I'm behind on my podcasting right now. So and, and then Pod Save the World. I mentioned that last time. You got to get that in the queue, too. Oh, OK. That's the new that's our new foreign policy one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and it's only weekly. I uh, could probably handle that. It's they're they're so I I enjoy that it, it's become yeah you know, my one of well it, I think it's up there with my favorite. I've been really listening to a lot of Roderick on the line too, like mm-hmm. I'm all up I'm all up to date on 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 the Rodericks, um so yeah good 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 podcast stuff, um hey. So I got stuff I want to talk about that's not in the surprisingly not in our Dropbox. Oh yeah, let's go for it. So I did. I, um, I, last week I did a thing that was different from some of the food safety things that I've done in the past. And here's the here's the background. We um, I, we're in the process of. Um, building observation kitchens. Have I mentioned this mm-hmm. to you? Yeah, I, I think it. so. Yeah. Yes, it's come up. Yes. So um, I'm I'm really interested in doing um, more and more observation work, and yeah, we have this um, uh, USDA uh, project that we're subcontractors on to do a bunch of observations of consumer handling, and we want to know how people do do certain things, and and we we're building these kitchens. Um, here in our in our building, and and as part of this um, process, uh, we you know as with anything, well not anything, as with many things within the the university system, there's an opportunity here to engage alumni, to engage funders, to be part of these th- this facility, uh, either through you know providing donations for naming, donating whatever, but but we're we're I've been like pulled into the world of meeting with funders and not, not, yeah. And it's, it's totally different, but Mm -hmm. I don't, and I'm not, I don't want to sort of out any of the individuals that, that I met Mm -hmm. with, but, but last week, no, you shouldn't. Yeah. Last week um, I I went with a couple of um, my department head and, and one of our um, foundation folks, uh, to go meet with with people that are interested in cooking and they're interested in food, and and the idea is that we you know we get them all very excited about the thing that we're um, that we're building. Um, I what I gained out of it was so much more than um, meeting with people who might be interested in 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 helping fund these things, and and I I, I sat with a guy who um, his. 
his wife was a former faculty member. He's a, a former faculty member. Um, she passed away six or seven years ago. Um, he retired from NC State like in 1990. So it's a, I mean, a long, long time ago. Um, and uh, I, I spent um, like two hours, and not just me, but we, we spent two hours with him. And he, he was so passionate about the university, the university system, the land grant system, cooperative extension. Um, he he uh, came from a field of, um, of soil science. Um, he, he, he just talked about like he, he's not been in the game for a long time, but, but we spent two hours just talking about how important the game is. Right. And it was so, it was so very heartening and inspiring. And that was totally not what I was supposed to get out of these, these visits, I think. Um, but I made this like connection um, and, and, and we met with, with another, an, another um, husband and wife, also very uh, strong university supporters and this, that, so we met with this one individual in the morning and then the other two in the afternoon. And I got a whole other set of stories about passion and, and their experiences. And it made me like, it, it, I, it made me think that we and me, I get caught up often in, um, in, in the, um, minutia of doing food safety and and how we do it and the um, supervising and getting you know making sure someone's computer works and and making sure that we have money to do stuff and and writing an abstract so we can present at a conference and i and i miss sometimes the larger picture of the academic world which is we we have this safe space that is um that that is funded and supported um, by by tax dollars to to bring people together who have big ideas and who uh, can can have the space to to follow those big ideas and to solve really large problems and to um, work together on certain things that you kind of I don't know like I, it made me it it made me think oh I, I don't I don't think about that stuff enough like when I get kind of down into man this system sucks. I, I'm now going to think more about, yeah, the system sucks sometimes, but the system can be really good. And, and, and just to see the passion for the, for these folks that have, that haven't been around in it every day. Like I got the sense that they, um, they only remember the really good stuff. And that's what I hope when I'm not in this system anymore that I remember too. So it was, it was really like a very different type of experience than, than I had had. Um, and I, and I'm glad, you know, I, I kind of thought and said, oh, I'm really excited about this project. I'm excited about all the things that we're going to do. The idea of spending an entire day not doing food safety stuff at the outset was was not what I wanted to do. And then afterwards, I, I like had a time to reflect as we were driving from one place to the next. And I was like, you know, that was really valuable for a whole bunch of other reasons um, that, you know, that, that, yeah. That 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 I wouldn't I would not have want to miss that that day. Have you... Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. Like it's sort of a you, you sort of step away 
from the day to day and you get a chance to sort of bump up to a higher level and think, uh, and think more, more big picture stuff. And yeah, and absolutely. And that's the, that's the reason that I really enjoy doing stuff. I mean, I, I enjoy having graduate students and I enjoy publishing papers and, and, you know, doing research and, and all of that stuff, which takes all of those little minute day by day steps, but it's nice every once in a while to step back and think about something at a higher level, whether it's working on an expert committee or, 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 you know, service to something like conference for food protection, where you're helping to write the food code or, or what have you. It's, it's, it's useful to remind yourself of like, okay, there's a reason why I'm doing it, right? I'm doing it because I want to make the world safer or, you know, I want to, and it's any, and you know, and the other time when that happens is, and I'm about to have a situation like that where like if I if I putting together going through my my CV and sort of putting together a more longer term perspective on something. And it's like, wow, you know, you can see the arc. You can see yeah. the big picture. You can see, OK, I've been doing this like for this many years and this is where we started and this is where we're going and this is what we've done. And it just makes you feel good like because you, you feel I think you feel uh a, a more a part of something. Whereas if you're in the day-to-day minutiae wrestling with how do I format this reference or how do I, you know, handle, you know, this difficult person or how do I get this thing, piece of equipment or, or, or software paid for and hassling with the business office and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's a, it's good to take a step back. It is. And, and that, that once you're, you know, once you're out of it, it continues to go on, right? Like, like you, and, and you can choose to be negative about that. I, I don't know. Like, I guess maybe it's an, an ego thing or, or whatever. Like, you know, if, if I, if I walked away from this tomorrow, um, you know, maybe we wouldn't have a podcast, but maybe you would have a podcast. Or if I walked away from doing what I do as a, as a professor, it, the world of food safety is still going to go on. It's not like I own any of this stuff or, or anything that I do is um, would would cease to exist. But the the passion to to stay engaged and and that that there might be some sort of a, a legacy. I guess I don't know. Maybe that's not even the right um, the right term. It's just like you, you kind of you kind of get caught up in, in all the stuff to not be able to see that, that big picture, um, piece. And, and just like, I, I felt like I, and I actually texted Danny as we left one of these, and I was like, I think I just fast forwarded 50 years. And I hope I'm like this individual who is really cares about the community, not just the university community, but the community of Raleigh. And they're so very engaged and, and, are are just like still trying to figure out how to make a difference, even though they're not doing it as a as a professor anymore. Um, and, and, and I um, this I've had similar experiences like this, or one one other similar experience um, when I was in grad school. Um, Doug had a um, a really close friend who was CEO of Schneider's, which was later bought by maple leaf um Mm, and mm -hmm. so so you know like the maple leaf of the maple leaf listeria outbreak they Mm. they uh were uh shiners is a one of the i i mean as a brand still probably the largest um or one of the largest meat 
deli meat, ready meat brands in, in Canada. And, um, and this guy's name is Ken Murray and, and his wife, Marilyn Murray, were um, they Ken was really interested in or is really interested in um, in, in the in science from the university making it to food industry and making better decisions. And he was a I think he like graduated from the University of Guelph in like 1952, was on the board of trustees and, and ended up um, funding Doug's position um, when he when he finished his Ph.D., uh, for, you know, like a chair position for a couple of years, um, before his position was made, was made permanent. And, um, and Ken and Marilyn were, every time we had like a, a lab function, you know, if we had a, um, a, a, a lunch or we had a dinner, they, they were there, like they would come and they love to hang out with, um, with the students and hear about the things that we were doing. And were so supportive for that exact same reason. I think that they just believed that the system, that was created helps people and, and that they could, any way that they could support it was really, um, was really positive and it wasn't for them, right? Like it was for a greater good. Uh, and so anyway, that, that I, I got that same kind of feeling, which I hadn't in, in my, in my time here, I, 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 yeah, I just hadn't found people or I haven't been able, I, I haven't, been connected with people to have those similar types of conversations. And I was like, Oh, these are, it's like Ken and Marilyn Murray, same kind of thing. So anyway, it was, it was a cool, like thing. We talked a lot about food safety and we talked about things that are going on in the world uh, of food safety and what we want, you know, what we were going to do with this, with this facility. But then it, it turned into, um, you know, larger, bigger, bigger conversations just about academia and, and that people, um, you know, people do really, some people out there really do care, uh, about, um, you know, uh, societal problems and, and being able to tackle those problems. So anyway, it was good. It was a really, it was a, a very inspiring day. It's good. It's, it's nice to have those days. Um, I mean, you have to have the days when you get the work done, but it's, but it's nice to have those days where you're sort of working at a higher level and sort of recharging your batteries. It's, it's nice to have those days too. Yeah, it is. So, so anyway, that was, uh, that was, that was one of the things I did, uh, this week. The other thing that I did yesterday, uh, I was invited to, uh, talk in a charcuterie class that my, that my friend, uh, Dana Hansen puts on. And, uh, it was like uh, 20 people that are really interested in charcuterie and learning how to make salamis and bacon and curing and, um, and, and I, I got to give a, 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 a well, a, like an hour long conversation uh, on HACCP and variances and, and got like some really, um, in, you know, interesting insight into operators as it relates to regulatory things. And there was one operator who brought something up that said, all I want to do is make this food in a safe way. And I want to sell it because I know that I can sell it and I know I make really good meat and I'm here to learn about it. But my struggle is I don't know whether the Department of Agriculture regulates me, whether the USDA regulates me. So whether it's the North Carolina Department of Agriculture, whether it's USDA, whether it's a local health department, where it's the state health department, because everybody I call tells me it's something different. <laughs> 
That never happens in New Jersey, Ben. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it made me think, yeah, that's it, uh, this world is confusing, right? Like the none of this stuff. And then uh, so then then I stand up there and I like rile off. I'm like, well, tell me what you're doing. And I was like, oh, well, this part's this and this part's this. And and and, and that that's going to require a variance at the state level. But this one is just a HACCP plan at your local health department. And then the person is like, at the end of that goes, see, <laughs> all of that, it's, it's like nine different places that I have to go. And all I want to do is make good, safe food. And, 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 and my answer was right. <laughs> right. Like that was yep. the end of the conversation. Well, you know, and it's funny, I had a similar experience uh, with, uh, with somebody that has called me previously for help. And, uh, I started off the conversation. I was a little bit irritated because this is a person that apparently does not believe in leaving phone messages and also believes in calling you until they reach you. Ooh. Um, and so this was like the fourth time today, this guy had called me, uh, the other day that this guy had called me. And so I already, I started off on a bad foot, but with uh, just me being irritated and having to, you know, try to not not be too much of a, a jerk, explain to him like how telephones work and that you should leave a message. And I was actually, uh, finally after the third time he left a message and I was calling him finally, I finished doing what I was doing and I was calling him back, uh, from the third time that he actually left a message and he called again and it's just like, okay. But, um, so after I explained how to use a telephone, we had a really good conversation because he has a really interesting problem. And the problem is, so he's a They've had a, a bakery, a successful bakery uh, in New Jersey for a long time, but they're getting into doing some new things. And so what they want to do is they want to sell fillings uh, for baked goods, and they want to put these into glass jars. And they're fruit fillings, and they're they're like nut uh, nut fillings, like you know, like uh, you know, nuts and sugar, and you know, like so so that kind of thing. And his question was, they're filling all of this into glass jars. And his question to me was, do I need to wash? the glass jars first. And we had a fascinating discussion about, well, so what are the risks from risks from glass jars, right? And one of the risks from glass jars is that they have pieces of glass in them. And so his question was, well, so do I, do I just invert the glass and shoot a puff of air in, or do I have to actually wash the glass jars first? And then we got into a discussion, well, what do you know about your product? What's the pH? What's the water activity? Um, and it turns out my my advice to him um, was, well, basically, from what you're telling me, these products are uh, have a water activity of 0.8 or less. And so there's really no risk of organism growth. And so you could you could wash the jars, but that's going to present a very significant like expense to him and a lot of complexity. And honestly, why would you even do that, right? Because if let's say for the sake of discussion, there are uh, there are contaminants on the jars. It, what is washing going to do to reduce that versus potentially water residue um, uh, and then and then raising the water activity? So in the end, we had a, a really good discussion about physical hazards. We had a really good discussion about microbiology and and what he would need to do. But I really felt like like I really felt like that was one of those things where it took. 15 minutes or a half an hour out of my day. But I really felt like at the end of the conversation, like he actually had a really interesting problem and he was not, 
going to be able to solve that himself. And he probably also wasn't really going to be able to ever look that up in a book anywhere, but through talking it out together and sort of thinking about things from, from, from like a, a a microbiology perspective uh, and and a HACCP perspective, I could actually help him like weigh, like what are, you know, so it's a, it's a risk, risk trade-off, right? And so what, what are the risks you're mitigating by washing versus the risks by, you know, blowing a puff of air and, and what do you need to do to control that process? And do you have a pH meter and do you have a water activity meter? And, you know, uh, you know, here's what you need to do. You need to, you know, collect, you know, data. And so sort of me imagining, okay, I'm an FDA inspector coming into this plant. What am I going to want to see from this guy to, to understand that he has his process under control? But, but again, it was one of those things where you really felt like, okay, well, I, uh, you know, I, I, I earned my, uh, I earned my, my fraction of my income that comes from the state of New Jersey today. Cause I helped this New Jersey businessman, um, make what's hopefully an, an educated, uh, decision about food safety. <laughs> it's, I, um, that, um, crystallizes uh, another kind of conversation that I had during this workshop yesterday, which was a, a question that I've never really had before, um, from, from anyone, which was why, or basically who pays for you and why, hmm. and why, would, and why? They, yeah. <laughs> why would they ever pay? And for why you? would they pay for you? Right? Like that's, you know, what, what, like, so I was talking about how I sit on this variance committee and that if someone had questions that they could call and, and this, you know, this guy who's just taking the workshop is like, why would like, why, who does that? And I was like, well, I mean, exactly what, what you just sort of highlighted. It's like, cause there are businesses out there and there are non-businesses out there that need access to technical advice or technical expertise um, as it relates to, to food safety. And then the state, at least today, values um, being able to provide those um, those businesses or institutions or individuals with those um, w- you know with those answers and so much so that they invest tax dollars to pay for it and the guy who looks at it and goes oh okay I get it <laughs> but but yeah I mean that's um, it, I, it, those are the days you know those, those types of questions like what you just talked about and going back to something that we talked about a long time ago about crepes, where we, uh, you know, someone stacked their crepes really high and wanted to know how high their crepes should be stacked so they could cool it correctly. Those are the real types of things that, that I feel like you can't look that up, right? Like someone's going to have to either help them do the work or, or at least walk through um, the, the situation. And that's what we're here for. And it makes me feel good sometimes. I'm, I'm feeling yeah. good today, Don. Because I felt so bad I'm, I'm, yesterday. Well, you know, and that's the the thing about about feeling bad is that sometimes feeling bad helps us appreciate uh, feeling good. You know, so you need uh, you need that contrast. It's true, and you, maybe maybe I would have felt less good if I didn't feel so bad yesterday. <laughs> yes. Hey, so um, so we've had some some good uh, interaction uh, lately with uh, the listeners, and I yeah. wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about that, um, and in particular, I want to talk about um, uh, a woman who was prosecuted uh, for selling ceviche on Facebook. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, and also. Um, the interaction that we had, uh, so a listener, a fan of the show of ours, um, emailed 
Ars Technica, where this article appeared, and said, well, you know, I don't think you guys were really doing a very good job. You, you, the people at Ars Technica, were doing a very good job um, because you didn't really talk about food safety um, and, uh, you know, or enough in this in this article. And so uh, I'm just curious. Uh, well, I'm curious a couple of things. Number one, I'm curious, what do you think? What do you think about the idea of selling uh, ceviche on Facebook, Ben? Are you, are you pro or con? I'm I'm con. I'm con. Well, okay. Let me let me back up. I am I'm con if that means doing so in a way that's outside of the regulatory world, right? Because I think you can sell ceviche on Facebook and and do it in a regulated facility. <laughs> so I'm okay. I am con. I, I'm I'm a, like yeah. Like there are restaurants that that advertise things on on Facebook, so I don't want to get in in a mess of not using Facebook. But I'm I'm con um, making ceviche in my home without any or in a home without any regulatory oversight, and then selling it only on Facebook in a way to subvert those laws. <laughs> Good, I, I I would agree, and and in fact. You know, and this is something that uh, it seems to be again, and maybe it's a thing about like once you're aware of it, you just start looking for it. But uh, as we've talked about before on the podcast, I'm currently sitting on a conference for food protection committee that's looking at the safety of mail order foods or or foods uh, that are that are ordered uh, via the internet. And this this I think falls uh, squarely into that. And amazingly, and I again I discovered this props to uh, to Sandy Godwin from. Uh, 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 Tennessee State and and Bill Hallman at, at Rutgers, who who basically were instrumental in us getting the grant to look at this. Um, but basically, it, it is remarkably easy to put up a web page and sell foods that you ship to people over the internet, and it's remarkably. The, the regulations on it are quite unclear. So clearly, the place where the foods are prepared um, would be regulated, right? So, so if you're if you're preparing foods um, in North Carolina to send to me in New Jersey, and I'm paying you money for that, so it's a business transaction. It's not like a friend sending something to somebody else. The facility where you would manufacture those foods in North Carolina would be regulated by North Carolina state law. Um, and then you would put them in the mail and send them to me. And if those foods required uh, time temperature control for safety or for quality, it's not really clear like what what jurisdiction who 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 is responsible for that right because you know the 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 production facility would be regulated probably by the state food code but once you put it in a box and send it. Uh, through the uh, common carrier, whether that's the the postal service or FedEx or UPS, like th- those those uh, entities, uh, FedEx, UPS, uh, will uh, basically uh, not take any responsibility uh, for for uh, temperature control or time or anything, and so ultimately it falls on the company. But the question is, who? Who regulates not the, the the manufacturer of the food, but who regulates that whole process of getting sent via a common carrier to a customer? And the answer, as terrifying as it may be, really seems to be no one. Right, right, from start to finish. <laughs> right. right, like yeah, and and it may be, um, <clears throat> yeah, and and in fact, as, as soon as it is on that common carrier, it it may, it's incumbent upon the uh, the uh, um, originating business, but there's not a lot of um, there, there's nothing in the re- in the regulatory world that would say, okay, here's where 
Um, here's where it's clear. I think FDA would probably argue that if it's an FDA-regulated food, regardless of where it is, they do have jurisdiction over it. They just probably don't have rules and a framework to enforce anything, right? Like, like, like if it's if it's a commercially produced food and someone is um, is selling it and it's not meat or poultry, they 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 could do something. They just don't have a clear way to do like to to hold someone for breaking some sort of a rule, right? Like it's a if it was adulterated right. or if right. it was right, yeah. Um, the, so just to, to come uh, to jump a little bit back into the ceviche mm-hmm. um, issue. So yeah, we had uh, we had this um, uh, conversation um, over email, and we 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 received we were we were brought in um, to to this conversation <laughs> with from and I don't know if we can. Uh, Let, let's let's just say a listener. A listener. Let's say a listener. And then, and then an editor, uh, right, w- w- sort of uh, chimed in, and the editor um, kind of responded. Um, I, so, so the the listener said, "Hey, you didn't mention much about the safety aspects um, of these uh, of ceviche, and you really have focused on the nuisance aspect of the case, but not that there may be a public health." Um, I- impact here. And uh, the editor responds, basically, I read both of the articles, and we'll link to these articles again mm-hmm. in the show notes. I don't see a problem here. While you perceive specific phrasing as problematic, I didn't interpret the text the same way you did. Um, I, I don't think getting into the specific details of ceviche production and what that might mean for its microbial content is really appropriate for this story, which is focused on the scale of informal food sales. Um, and, w- and this individual's adventures with the plea deal process. Put differently, you can't cover all aspects of every story in detail, and I think the focus of this one was appropriate. So uh, this is my, my, my hot take on this. Mm-hmm. The whole point of why there was any plea deal, why there was any inf- enforcement, why there was a trial, was because of the potential for microbial contamination, right? Like, it's not just... Uh, a nuance. And, and I, I think back to 15 years ago, um, being involved with some, um, uh, some, uh, cottage food stuff going on in Ontario where, um, you know, there were, uh, people that were making sandwiches, uh, at, at home and then selling them at church bazaars and inspectors came in and, and dispose of that food by pouring bleach on it, which would be the standard way to dispose of it because you don't want someone going into the, in, into the trash and then bringing it out and reserving it. And it became this whole political situation that had nothing to do with whether that food was unsafe or not. It was more about the regulatory, you know, do, do we really want to be regulating church bazaar ladies? And it, and to me, you can't uncouple those things, right? Like, right. the reason why we're having this conversation is because there's a potential for public health um, problems. And, and once you take the, the regulatory world out of it, then you don't really have any controls. And, and the, the issue isn't so much, is it going to make someone sick? It's, it's more about protecting consumers in the sense that if it's for sale, there's a perceived notion that, it, that someone is looking at it. And, and similarly to 
um, Facebook sales, if someone's selling food, you would hope that someone's paying attention to the safety of it. And and it's not like ceviche is um, is a really really low risk item like uh, like cookies. It's it, it can be a much higher risk. Um, so so anyway, I, I didn't I didn't agree with the editor's response, but but that was the response. Well, and I I, I just sent the editor, and I didn't copy you or the listener. I just said a response back to the editor saying, hey, thanks. Thanks for looking into this and take, thanks for taking the time to respond, right? And, and you can, you know, we can, we can agree. I'm, I'm not going to, I mean, we can tell an editor how to do their job yeah. in terms of editing the news. But, but on the other hand, uh, he made a decision and it was an editorial decision. And, you know, we can, we can agree with that or we can disagree. But the bottom line is, like, the guy, I'm just really impressed that the guy took the time to actually sit down and read both articles and, and, and write a response that wasn't just a canned response. It was actually a thoughtful response where he's like, okay, well, um, I, I'm going to disagree with you. And I think that we did adequately cover it. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, that, yeah. that was it. And so I, I just, I was impressed that it did take, I mean, it did, he did take the time to respond. So, yeah, yeah. that's good. That's a really good point. And, and that, um, you, you know, to, to your other point of the editorial decision, that's why we have a podcast, right? Like is, is that if, if we don't sort of agree with those editorial decisions and we talk about it here and, Ex- yep. and we're not the, you know, maybe have the same readership as, uh, ARS Technica or ARS Technica. Ar- ARS, it's pronounced, I, I used to think it was ARS, but I, I listened to enough, enough nerds talk about it, um, yeah. that it's, 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 it's ARS Technica or just commonly referred to as ARS. And I just... For me, I just – and this is just the nerd in me. I just love the fact that like people that listen to this podcast also read ours and also I love the fact that ours did some of I, what I thought was the best coverage of, of my, my uh, – our, our five-second right. rule article. And I just, I just love – I love the fact that the, like, the nerd, the computer nerd audience that I'm a part of through you know, uh, listening to podcasts and, and you know, through that I've – this world that I've found largely through, through Merlin Mann and then, and then, and then you know, on and on and on from there. I just love the fact that like that world intersects sex with our food safety world. And, and I just, it just, just makes me, makes me happy to think that we're just like food safety is such a part of nerd culture for whatever reason, good or bad, or, or, or just whatever. I just love the fact that there are nerds out there that are computer nerds <clears throat> that are also food safety nerds. And I love that we can be a part of that, that discussion. So it just makes me, makes me happy. <laughs> Absolutely. And that we, that we feed the, the, the thirst of the nerd dragons. That yes. They, yeah. And then they, they bring us back into it. No, it was, it was cool. It's, it's, it's good. And like, uh, you know, the running joke on, on this uh, the podcast that we have, uh, I, it still amazes me that anyone listens anyway. Uh, yes. And, and not only do they miss them, but listen, but sometimes they take time to like re-engage with us. Absolutely. That's really, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, hey, so I did, I did something else last week or two weeks ago since we had our last podcast. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna tell you about uh, a product that I like, because uh, we, <laughs> we don't have any sponsors to tell you about it. But hey, so so remember, remember a while ago, I asked you. Well, I didn't ask you, but um, Natalie Seymour, who uh, works for me, asked you if you would like to come to Washington D.C. to talk about 
uh, flour and cookie dough for the and, partnership. And then you, you had, you went and, and I said, yes, I would love to come. That would yeah. be fantastic. I would love nothing more. And then, uh, turns out that I had to have surgery, which, uh, which we can, we can also talk about, but right, right. I, so we went, I ended up not going, but you, you ended up going, I ended up going and we had a workshop with, uh, about 25 or 30 participants. And we spent four hours talking about, um, raw flour and, uh, and raw cookie dough risks and deconstructing um, the Nestle outbreak from 2009, as well as a gold medal um, uh, um, stack outbreak from uh, 2016. And, um, and we had um, Tim Jackson from Nestle, uh, Scott Hood from uh, General Mills, and Karen Neal from CDC, who were all fabulous, phenomenal. I couldn't imagine a better panel, Ben. Don, I felt like in the four hour, like the people that knew the most in the world about this were all sitting in the room talking, like wow. like and and just the stories, the the candid conversations. Scott and all, all three of them shared like just information that that I hadn't seen printed anywhere. Um, information that that said we didn't we didn't know this before, and here's how complex our flower system is and and we may never know exactly what we will likely never know what the sources are um but just you know uh, I, one, one thing that struck uh me scott shared that um general mills every day um makes three million pounds of flour like just to to like put that into your head that that is wow. a staggering amount and they, they make it at five mills uh, across the U.S. And, and they're getting that, that wheat from thousands of farms. Um, and, and, you know, just, just the, the, it, it was such a, um, such a great workshop to be part of. And I, the, I, I am also very lucky to, um, to surround myself or to be surrounded by people that are so great to pull together an agenda to say, okay, here's the story or here's the story. Here's what I'd like to, to put together. And then Natalie kind of ran with here are the objectives and here are some, um, here are some activities that we're going to do. And, and we're going to hear from these uh, individuals about what their responses were and, and how, what it was like to be uh, in a company that was dealing with this and, and, and let's have the participants react to that and, and think about how they would react. And then let's talk about it as a group. I mean, just a, a true workshop forum. It was, um, it was really, really great. Um, we had some, some fantastic, uh, feedback, but, but again, um, uh, similar to my experience, uh, last week with visiting donors, I got, I got more out of, um, being in this workshop than I did, um, you know, being part of the organizing, like just the, phenomenal speakers um i learned a lot more about the um the flour and and raw cookie dough um uh system and and just some of the trade-offs and and discussions like um the heat treatment of flour versus not heat heat treating flour and and what the costs are and how how that may they may be minimal but um what it does to the performance of the flour and how heat treating um, flour for cookies is 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 fr is probably fine, but heat treating flour 
that you're going to then use to make cakes where you need uh, where you need that that flour and that that dough to rise um, is a problem. Like so, you know, just trying to parse out all the different challenges. There there isn't sort of one magic intervention here. It was uh, it, it was quite good. It was really enjoyable. Right. And like so many things like food, food safety is easy. You just have to cook the hell out of it. The problem is, is that that comes with compromises in terms of quality. And so you really need people that understand food technology and who understand food science and, and all of the other knock on effects, because yeah, we could, we could ensure that the food supply was completely safe. It's just that everything would be really expensive and it would taste terrible. Right. And so we don't want that. And so finding out like how to make it safe enough, but at the same time, uh, still have the functional properties and that, that just distinction uh, that you just drew between, well, cookie, cookie flour is different than cake flour, et cetera, is, is, a, is, a, fascinating, is a fascinating one. And, and while, while we're still on the topic of cookie dough, um, there was something that I put uh, into the Dropbox that I want to just briefly talk about. Um, and this is an article uh, that appeared in the Des Moines Register. And uh, basically, uh, the headline reads, an Iowa cookie dough supplier shuts down after a listeria outbreak. And so uh, it says here that uh, Aspen Hills, which is the name of the company of Garner, Iowa, is closing its doors after federal inspectors have confirmed that listeria found in a brand of Bluebell ice cream originated with the third party supplier. Uh, and then, so this is the Des Moines Register now quoting uh, the Houston Chronicle, saying the Houston Chronicle reports that the Food and Drug Administration issued a warning letter last month to Aspen Hills detailing the company's failures in preventing contamination. And we will we'll link to the Des Moines Register article, but we'll also link to the FDA's warning letter, which I think is is fascinating. And basically, what the company decided to do um, was basically just to go out of business, right? And so, and this is this seems to be like sort of a small-ish. Uh, my perspective is a small family business. It's the 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 letter, the FDA letter, is addressed to uh, Thomas Lundeen, the president and co-owner, and Nancy Lundeen, the secretary treasurer and co-owner, uh, basically just going through all of the the problems, uh, multiple problems. Um, and again, if you like, if you're if you're a food safety nerd and you like this podcast and you like reading these FDA letters, uh, this is a great letter. It just goes through uh, just sort of step by step everything that FDA did and all the locations where they found Listeria. And I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, I feel badly for this company. Um, it, you know, it's a shame, Ben. It's, its you know, I, I know that Iowa is kind of, there's not much going on there, but I want to say I'm pretty sure in Iowa, there's a group and the name the it's, name it's escapes me. Yeah, it's the Iowa Association for Food Safety for, for or production. the International Production. I don't know, um, <clears throat> but I'm pretty sure they're in Des Moines, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they have some smart people. But anyway, um, yeah. So, so what was your? Did you did you read the? Did you see this article? And yeah, yeah. what was? What was your take on yeah, it? Yeah, no, I saw the article and I, and I saw the um, the uh, warning letter uh, as well, and and I think that it is it is too it's too bad that um that they're going out of business um because of uh because of listeria contamination um you know i don't want to see any businesses uh lost uh because of uh, food safety issues but that that being said it, it's it is kind of striking just the list of CGMP violations that FDA saw. And, and I'm so, um, 
they, uh, for, for instance, employees were observed uh, conducting a, a cleaning process, which included spraying the floors, spray nozzles connected to the hoses, and there were buggies uncovered. And so, you know, from a standard uh, sanitation operating procedure, just in, in general, spraying things and then getting it on finished product or remixing it into the process isn't, isn't a great thing. Um, so then, so they see this, and then your firm says that you improve management. Um, then we have this next uh, piece of residual flour shortening and liquid pasteurized egg were observed on the floor of the production room. Uh, your employees' pallet jack and forklift were observed entering and exiting the production room, passing through product buildup on the floor and leaving uh, imprint trails. So um, you know, definitely allowing for um, uh, transfer. Uh, employees were observed moving in and out of the production room to take trash to a dumpster located in an adjacent room wearing rubber boots and aprons, which are also used during production. So like, if we th think about this large concept of food safety culture, which we've talked about a lot, um, this, this warning letter really highlights a lot of like things that are food safety culture items. My, my question, Don, mm. to you and, and to others that are, that are listening is, these warning letters are in response to issues, right? Like that the, something happened, and in this case, their product had listeria in it, and it made it to a very high-profile com high company who FDA already had under their microscope. And uh, it was in the product, so then that sends FDA inspectors back to this company, and then they go through a very detailed inspection, what about the routine inspections that are happening? And, and not, not to call out our, um, uh, the, the world of inspectors uh, in, in processing, um, but I'm, I'm going to call out a little bit. But why, why is it that these things only get raised in a warning letter and in a 483 in response to an issue and not during routine? Like it seems like these types of things – would be, and I'm going to make an assumption here, would be seen in a non-response uh, uh, to a complaint or non-response to a, um, a, a Listeria-positive situation just as easily as, as they were here. But it, it's only when um, these the, that a complaint happens and now we've got a warning letter that, that there is something out there. Maybe there's something that, that was in their routine inspections that said they were in violation of CGMPs we just didn't know about, but why why does it why do we have to wait for um an output of of listeria positive to see this kind of stuff what did it look like before right and and that i i actually as you were talking that same thought was occurring to me so where are where are the inspection results cuz i'm i'm sure this company has been inspected before yeah. and so one one key question is how often were they inspected? And again, it's not we're not we're not saying ultimately the responsibility of food safety lies with the company, right? It's not the FDA's job to make the food supply safe. It's the FDA's job to audit what the companies are doing to make sure the food supply is safe. And probably FISMA is going to help with that, right? And so this is this is all sort of pre-FISMA at the moment. Um, uh, and so post-FISMA, maybe we'll see some changes. But the question I have is how often was this company inspected and what do the results of those inspections look like, right? And so obviously, I don't want to say it's easy for FDA to go in and, and, right. and find problems, but clearly once they have a listeria positive, they've got a lot more – and I don't – and this is, again, maybe some of our, our inspector 
um, uh, listeners could can comment uh, on or off the record about this. But I'm very curious, like, what resources does FDA have to bring to bear on a routine inspection versus, like, what resources do they have to bring to bear following this incident? In other words, does does a does a, a higher uh, I don't want to say caliber, but does do, do more does a does a different team come right? Is this a, like a SWAT team from Washington or 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 from a regional level come? Is this or is this just the inspections that are being done by the same people that have always done the inspections, but now they've got maybe more direction. I'm very interested in, I mean, it's not surprising that this happened given, given the, the link to Listeria, but, but what's, what's the difference between a, a pre, uh, awareness of a problem and a post awareness of a problem. And it would be great. Again, we're taxpayers. I'm paying, I'm paying for this, that FDA is doing all this. It would be so fantastic if there was a database somewhere where I could just type in Aspen Hills in Garner, Iowa, and I could see all of the FDA correspondence to this company with a, a suitable trade secrets redacted, right? But it would be great if we could have that information because it would, it would sure be interesting to know, like, what were there any warning signs, right? And this is something that I've been thinking about because of this raw milk project we're working on that I've that I've talked about before. Um, but but yeah, so what? Um, yeah, what what uh, what changed, right? Or did anything change? Has this always right. been a problem, and now we're just uncovering it? And and there's just we just don't know that. And and again, I feel bad that the company's going out of business rather than fix all these problems. But but on the other hand, this is this. And here's the thing. I mean, maybe to, to put a, a very fine point on it, um, it probably didn't get this bad overnight. <laughs> it probably didn't get this bad from the last inspection. Right. Or, or maybe it did. But we don't but we don't know. And I but I suspect it didn't. I suspect it's always been this bad. And they just got caught this time again, not not implying any criminality. They just they just got caught in their you know lack of attention to detail in terms of food safety. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think you you highlight something that, that we've talked about as it relates to restaurant inspections, which by and large, overall, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> conducted by local health departments are are becoming more and more accessible. I, I see this as even more important for our colleagues in the buying community in food safety. Um, you know, wouldn't wouldn't Bluebell want to know? If Aspen Hills had had some problems in on GMPs for the last four years before they actually continued to buy the product, before they got a shipment that was positive for Listeria, so so as a consumer, absolutely, I think it should be um, publicly available. But but even more importantly for for those folks that are making decisions on buying, I would really want to know that that kind of stuff, and and, and it's another set of data points to uh, to make decisions on. I just. I fear that um, that not not only maybe FISMA will will change things, and, and I I don't know if anybody's really sorted out how those inspection um, inspections will be documented and what kind of notes will will happen, and if there's anything that is if every one will require a 483 in a response, if there's anything that's seen, or if there's some corrective actions that'll happen right on spot, what, you know, whatever it is. But I fear that with the, um, with the current, uh, flavor of not sharing information publicly from the, um, federal administration that, that we'll never see these. Like, I, I mean, I just, I hope that we continue to see these 
these warning letters, um, you know, going going forward. Uh, but but I really think that we should that everyone should be able to see the um, the inspection results. And I can't. I don't even understand the argument against them. Like I, I really I don't like uh, the argument against not posting them, especially as you said, like taking out the trade secrets. Like why why would we want to protect this stuff? Well, well, I, I, let me let me answer that because I've heard people from the industry talk about it, and then I want to come back to the the concept of supplier. Just brief touching on supplier audits. So, I think the the answer that I've heard from the industry generally, and not specifically about this issue, but generally, is that putting this information out there, um, that most average people do not have the skills needed to interpret this data. And so it can be misconstrued. It can be blown out of proportion. It can be used uh, in a sensationalistic way um, that is not appropriate. Now, I'm not saying I agree with that point of view. I'm just saying that that is the argument that I've heard put forth by my industry colleagues in response to why this data should not be released. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and uh, so I'm I'm familiar with that, and that, and that is, <laughs> and that you've is, heard this story before. I've heard this story before, and and I'm may, I'm just being like maybe I'm just not getting it. Like I I I I hear that argument. I don't understand. I don't understand it. Um, it, it it's almost like saying, well, we shouldn't share how we inspect things at all then, because they won't get it. You know, they won't understand that there might be risks. But I mean, that's a that's an argument that that neither of us will, will win. Um, well, and I, th I think the good news is, is that the culture is starting to change. And I've heard people previously that said that that are maybe I don't want to say backing off of that, but that are maybe more receptive. But but the other thing is just that and you you raise this this point like shouldn't shouldn't Bluebell have cared more? And and that thought also occurred to me as I was I was reading this article. And I'm glad you mentioned it because it, it you know brought it back up in, in, in my mind as well. And uh, I have a, a former graduate student who actually works doing supplier audits now. And um, it is like if the company has the resources to do it, it is so, so important. And that and those and those supplier audits are so important. And that person, if they take their job seriously, they can really like earn their salary for the company, right? Through identifying problems that that you know, there's just no substitute for going to the to the plant and looking um and seeing exactly what's going on. Now, this this is famously said by a guy who who does consulting work, basically analyzing uh, data <laughs> that companies have provided. And, and I try to avoid going to to plants wherever possible. But I understand. I mean, there's there's value. But but certainly, if if I was a company and I was buying ingredients from somebody, I would sure as heck want to go and see how this is being made and really ask some some very good questions. And and again, you know, Bluebell has been really hammered. Um, but boy, yeah, if they, you'd think that they would want to know where they're cooking dough is and again i have no idea you know how many suppliers uh bluebell has or what it would take to do it but but boy yeah sure bluebell should have been on the ball and should have been visiting this company and and should have uh you know again should they should have done a lot of things differently than what they're doing and again i would come back to saying you know 
this is an interesting one, although your your workshop was related to salmonella and E. coli in cookie dough, and this is listeria. And Absolutely. again, we've, we've talked many times about listeria. I've made my opinion on uh, that listeria zero tolerance is a bad idea. If there wasn't a zero tolerance that that for listeria and 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 certainly uh, frozen refrigerated or frozen cookie dough, absolutely for sure does not support the growth of listeria. Um, it would be really good if the company could have been testing for listeria because guess what? They probably would have found it and they probably could have corrected it before now. But anyway, that's uh, you know we beat that uh, that dead horse uh, many times now. Well, yeah, and. And, and just to, to go back to what we talked about in a um, uh, previous couple of episodes, listeria in uh, in cookie dough doesn't matter unless we put that cookie dough into um, ice cream and then we put that ice cream into a milkshake mixer that may or may not be cleaned and then we serve it to a really susceptible <laughs> population, right? Exactly. Like exactly. That, Perfect storm. Yep. Yeah. Like, and and it's and it's kind of fascinating to think that. That that really is the the progression here, it, uh, and, and similar to you, you and I are going to go. I don't actually. I don't know if you're going to go, but are, are you going to? Are you planning on uh, uh, heading out to the uh, AFI meeting in uh, in March? I I just sent my regrets uh, oh. because of. My uh, my shoulder surgery um, and my recovery. Uh, I I mean as man, I I love that meeting. I I love talking to those people. I love San Diego. I would love nothing more than to go to San Diego. Um, any excuse to go to San Diego. Um, but I uh, I have uh, declined uh, because of because of my my shoulder, and I'm just not sure where I'm going to be in my recovery. Sure. So well, I, anyway, what the reason why I bring that up is because I know that we're going to have a conversation about. This exact thing. It's the perfect storm. Listeria in frozen kale is not an issue until we have frozen kale that's a not ready food that goes into a ready eat smoothie without any intervention and then served to a susceptible population. Someone gets sick. Right. Like like it's the that 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 is and we can't predict some of that stuff. I mean, we we can we can make some assumptions about consumption and we can make some assumptions about uh, potential public health impact. But when you're the company on the end of. Uh, you, you're the company that's supplying it, and you may be the source of the listeria. If it happens, it doesn't matter what the assumptions were. It happened, right? Like that's that is where Bluebell is um, in their in in their whole situation. Is it, it might have been a very very unlikely event, but but it happened, and and now you're on the hook. Exactly. Um, interesting. So to close the circle on Aspen Hills. I uh, googled Aspen Hills. You know that they uh, they can be found, and I think we talked about them a while ago because uh, uh, they were purple in my Google list, not blue. But they can be found at cookiedo.com, and they uh, sell a lot of cookie dough to like um, schools for fundraisers, and they also sell cookie dough to places like uh, Bluebell for their ice cream. How about that? How about that? And what what what's this color thing you're talking about? Oh, you know when you Google something and you're Oh, 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 because you, 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 you visited you, it. You visited it. Oh, got it. Yes. Sorry. I'm a little slow on the uptake. It's all right. I probably didn't say it very clearly. No, you said it perfectly clearly. I just didn't understand. <laughs> Cookiedo.com. Cookie there we dough. go. Yeah. I, I, have, I have never visited. You know what? Already, Ben, I am disappointed. Do you know why? Um, when I go to cookiedo.com? Your flash, your flash uh, is out of date? Boom. <laughs> my, no, no, Ben. My flash does not exist oh, because see, yeah. because I run I run my safari stock 
the way the way Steve Jobs intended. So what it what what the screen? <laughs> I had to reach. I had to find it. What the screen says is missing plug-in, but what I what I hear in my head is you suck. Yeah. Well, mine says flash out of date, which is surprising because I thought I was fully in date. Uh, uh, that's why that's why there's Chrome. If I if I had to see what their flash if I wanted to see what their flash had to tell me, I would load Chrome. But all I can tell right now is that the 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 state of the art of this company is um, not state of the art. Not state of the art. Um, Don, do you manufacture ice cream and need high quality cookie dough inclusions? No. No, me either. <laughs> Betteridge's Law. That would be a great headline. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so we got the, I, we got the, the cookie dough stuff. Um, I think I think unless you have something to talk about, that might be a show. I got nothing. I'm out. I'm I am I'm out of things to talk about. I uh, yeah, I think that's a show. I'm, I'm getting a lot of email though. <laughs> I don't know why. Not from listeners. I'm just my, you're just getting a lot. I, my my email just got lit up. Let's oh. see. Yeah, I got, I got like four ding 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 within like a 20 second period there. Mm. But, I think it must be the twelve o'clock, uh, the the witching hour, the email witching hour. Ooh, people have probably have uh, timed responses. I think so. Well, I think uh, I think that's a show, Don. Uh, food safety talk number one nineteen. Boom! So that's awesome. In, uh, in the in the famous words of. Uh, um, Eminem, I'm outie. I'm, I drop, I'm going to drop the mic. I'm going to drop, it's not the mic. I didn't drop the mic. I dropped the handle from my grinder. Um, uh, I dropped, I dropped my hand onto my bell. Well, there you go. Drop it. Drop it like it's hot. Uh, all right. We'll talk to you later, Don. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Speaking of popular culture, we never talked about the Super Bowl uh, and Lady Gaga, but no. uh, I have, I have, I, did you see it? I did, yeah, loved it. Yeah, I, I need to watch that.
It's worth it. You know, I, I watched I watched the Super Bowl for for half of it. We ca- we came home as I mentioned right around the uh, end of the third quarter. So I I watched halftime and then watched the game, and it was it was great. And my kids watched uh, Lady Gaga with me and Danny, and we all loved it. It was quite quite the spectacle. And then she jumped off the top of the uh, the stadium, and and to a gasp of uh, Sam. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, but fortunately so I, she was I, cabled. I did not. Uh, I did not watch it, uh, but apparently my mom did. So we had a very interesting uh, phone conversation where she told me what she thought about uh, Lady Gaga's performance, and uh, she liked it. Oh, good. I. Uh, I like spectacles like that. I, I enjoy it. Um, cool. Hey, so this one's mine. Indeed. Um, I'm going to do it this afternoon now that I'm back from the dead. Um, I was so, supposed to have a... Like you were really, uh, I did not realize from your text message, you sounds like you were really under the weather. I didn't feel well at all. Yeah. I'm glad you're okay. I wanted to prepare you. <laughs> yeah. And I canceled. So um, we have, I have a CFP meeting that was scheduled for this afternoon. Um, Susan Kwam got called into a meeting and yesterday afternoon uh, she told me, and I was like, look, I'm not feeling good. We maybe we should just go ahead and cancel it. Um, Cause I didn't want to like ha- cancel it at the last minute, the last minute. Right. So, so I canceled it, but turns out I could probably do it. Um, but we'll do it. We're doing it next week anyway. So cool. Um, so I got this one. Uh, I'm going to try to do it this afternoon. What about uh, what about two weeks from today for another, uh, another round on the right? We have writing buddies that day. We do, and I I am holding uh, the afternoon for a potential call, okay. but uh, it hasn't been scheduled yet. So yes, I am. I could do it. So what we if want we to did do ten thirty right. till twelve thirty, and then you yep. could have your afternoon. Perfect. Okay. Uh, Plus T120, 1030. Perfect. Okay. I got it. And I'm going to maybe be at home that day um, because I want to use my new, uh, I got, I got the fiber. Oh, cool. Yeah. We are, we are getting speeds like, like it's nobody's business, Don. How 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 speeds uh, are your speeds? Like downloading at six hundred and twenty, uploading at three hundred. Wait a minute, is that Kelvin? Yeah, or I'm, not, I'm like over absolute zero. Whoa. Yeah, no, we're getting. Um, I I can just I'm looking on Eero right now, and currently, so it, it wavers. So it's it's a a one gig um, per second uh, connection. But on the wireless, right now I'm downloading at, and this is just what I see at home, at 226, uploading at 208. Holy cow. Yeah, I know. Because we, we have fiber, but I'm like, uh, I'm like 60 down and 60 up. 60 down? It's like, what are you using, the Pony Express over there? Jeez, I feel, I feel like uh, inadequate now. Well, I'm, you, I, I mean, you should. I mean, my hands are normal size. But... Yeah, your hands are normal size. You... Um, you're only reading negative. Uh, you're only, you only believe the positives. Um, uh, yeah, no, we're getting, we're getting like, crazy. I, think, I think, I think it's fake news, Ben. I think, I think you're, I think you're, you got fake news for me there. Could be, could be, it could be fake news. Um, yeah. So it's super, super fast and never throttles anywhere. 
the combination of Eero and AT&T one gig fiber is revolutionized my life. Uh, coupled with my, uh, my AirPods, I've had like a great week of, or a great couple of weeks of technology. Well, let me, let me just briefly talk a little bit about technology here in the, in the after show, cause it's, it's, it's irritating me. So, um, have you heard have you heard anything about these new LG 5K displays that Apple is selling? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you said you were getting one. I got one. Yeah. So tell me what's ha- the Have you heard about the problems? No, tell me about the problems. Well, apparently um if you put it uh close to a router, um there's <laughs> interference which causes the displays to cut out and I was having this problem and then I, and then I started reading about the problems that people are having so um yeah I don't know why anyone would put a computer next to a router but <laughs> seems yeah. re- seems unreasonable sit but closer to your router it's 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 intermittent um uh, and, and sometimes it'll it'll work just fine, but what it does is it causes the display to turn off. But they're uh, which, wires, which, right? Like it's got well, nothing to do with. So yeah, tell me. What yeah, it's, yeah. So it, it, it the, the connection between the display and the laptop is a wired connection, but something about the electronics is just it's sensitive to disruption, and so what will happen is that the the display will blink off, and then the laptop display, you know, all of the windows will shift over to the laptop display wow. because it thinks that the, 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 the external display is not working, and then it'll go back. Um, so, and it, like I said, it's intermittent, um, but today, and it's, I don't know for whatever reason, maybe it's my imagination, it seems to be worse on rainy days. I don't know why that would be, but anyway... It's a little rainy here, and so it was happening. And so midway through the podcast, I unplugged it. Um, so then I didn't have that problem anymore. Uh, but I have an external keyboard, which is a wired keyboard, which is plugged into the display. But when I unplugged the display, what that meant was that I couldn't use the external keyboard, so I could, had to use the laptop keyboard. Oh but gosh. it's on a slightly different level, and um, and I've got <laughs> my shoulder is still not like where it needs to be, and so I would forget, and I would be typing on the keyboard, and it wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be working, and then I have to reach reach up, reach up with my, my wimpy, wimpy shoulder and try to type. And so anyway, um, but, uh, but hopefully, uh, nobody noticed, uh, that I was uh, handicapped in my, uh, in my, my, uh, my typing and, and podcasting, but I think we did a good show anyway. Yeah, no, I, th- I didn't even notice it. I didn't notice any of the changes that you just mentioned. Um, and that, that sucks. The, that, that is a very frustrating problem. I can imagine, right? Like- yeah, and 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 so the situation is so I'm I'm broadcasting from my my home office, which has a Eero that's wired to the downstairs Eero because we got uh, you know um, uh, Ethernet through the wall, and then that that Eero is wired to my laptop, um, uh, which is which is fine. Um, and that connection works just fine. Um, uh, but apparently there are other devices that are talking to that Eero and it's obviously still active, you know, wirelessly. And uh, I don't know, maybe there's a way I can shut the, that Eero off while I'm podcasting or or, I don't know. It's just, it's, yeah, I, I, maybe I could wrap some tinfoil around the back of the monitor. (laughs) I don't know. Seems like you have a problem. (laughs) Yeah. And and there's going to be they have a fix that's coming, but I don't know if I'm going to have to send the, the, the monitor back Uh. to Anyway, it's just it's a drag, but but like I said, it sometimes it works fine, and then sometimes it just will not work. So I, I don't know. That's that's a pain. Um, yeah. Can I tell you about something that, that I got into some slight trouble with that that adjusted how I um, 
how I had to watch TV. Uh, yes. While, well, okay. So it's not so much like how so so we have um, I have a I, I subscribe to a VPN service. We talked about this a little bit. Sometimes I do that just so, oh so you can get the Canadian stuff or yeah. and and that did I tell you that um, that it looked like to the university that my email was coming through Germany. No, because I was yeah. So I had an iPad that I was watching. Um, no, don't laugh at me. I was watching curling uh, on. Sure, it's 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 in the it's in. The, I think I think you have to give up your passport if you stop watching it, curling. Exactly. So I was watching some curling, and then I then my email stopped, and Ooh. like then I got I, like totally no one could even email into my email address. Whoa. Um, and so it was totally shut down. So I was like called the email people and said this is my nc state account i was like uh hey so what's up with my email and they're like oh violation uh looks like you you're someone's attacking you uh they're logging into your email in germany and i was like haha funny funny you should mention that uh they're not uh i have this vpn on this ipad so i can watch curling and they're like nope that's not gonna happen because now we have require for you um you don't do that, and now we have to do uh, uh, double. What's what's the uh, d- double double login? Du- double entendre. Double um, entendre. Uh, uh, Google dual, 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 d- dual, dual authentication. Yeah, so I got that now, and so that means okay. uh, I can't. It won't. I can't do it. I, I I have to only watch it on an iPad that is no longer attached to my email. So I have right. to like physically right. turn shut the email down, uh, and then like, use the VPN. What does what does that mean though? Physically, like like. Turn. Uh, you go to the uh, so it's only on the iOS, right? So you just okay. go to the. Um, let me just settings. Uh, mail. Accounts. Off. <laughs> okay. Pick the okay. so pick the account oh. and then just slide it from green to, but and then you got to turn it back on. Uh-huh. Well, and then you have to remember to toggle the VPN at the same time, right? right. So you turn the email off, the VPN on. VPN off, email on, and you have to always do it in that order. Otherwise, uh, you could be hacked from Germany. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and and so where this is going to become a problem is sometimes I like on my iPad to maybe watch in a square something that's on this uh, you know Canadian feed while I do email and Twitter and RSS feeds and, and other things that I might do, maybe read a PDF. And so I can't have email now. If I'm on that iPad, no, or I need a second. I think, I think you just need a second iPad. I got a sep- second iPad, but ah. sometimes I just need one iPad. I just want a little square. I don't want two. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we're our, our Rutgers is pushing this dual authentication big time, and and it's it, it's nice though. Actually, the, the 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 way that we're doing it, it's uh, uh, you can actually the, the authenticator that we're using uh, will push a message to your phone. There's an, a phone app, and there's even a watch app, and so you can you can you can you know accept it on the on the watch, and that's pretty cool. But yeah, no no VPN type problems, but I can imagine that that's that that's coming, and we've actually had problems. We've had uh, um, uh, DDoS attacks on on various Rutgers servers, and so they're they're hardening a lot of that for that very reason. So it's a it's a hassle, but it's the world we live in, right? We gotta we gotta protect ourselves from from German hackers. So I can under, I mean it's a, it's an aggravation, but it's I'm, I'm I, I, unfortunately I think that's just the cost of doing yeah. business these days. I, I'll figure it out, but I want it to all work the way that I want it to work on. I understand, Ben. I understand. You want your curling. I want my curling. I want my email. I want it all in one spot. Yeah. 
I, I totally understand. So, so there you go. Um, all right. Well, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go watch some curling. You know, uh, you know, you know what I'm Googling for? Uh, how I can get internet as fast as you. Oh, uh, AT and T. Do you do you guys have the? No, no. I I could just pay for I could just pay for faster service from FiOS. Oh well, there you go. Just upgrade it now. <laughs> Ours. What do you, what is what what is so we don't have FiOS. In fact, the only one that I have, um, the option for in my neighborhood is AT and T. Um, and it was it's only seventy bucks a month. Which which wasn't because we were paying like. $52 or $56 a month for 18 meg service. And so mm-hmm. we went to gig for an extra 12 bucks a month. Yeah. Well, and it's complicated, more complicated because we have uh, a, a phone line. Oh, I- I don't know why we should get rid of it, get but we have it because they threw it in for free or something. And then we have uh, we have still have cable TV, and we have a pretty um, right. pricey cable package because uh, uh, Kristen needs to watch uh, sports, her her figure skating sports. So that's what's costing us money right now. So yeah, I don't know. I should I should investigate. It's honestly, I mean, as much as it's fun to joke about it, it's it's 60 is perfectly adequate. But I could get I could get uh, 500 100 MIPS. Um, from Verizon FiOS right now, if I, uh, I guess apparently, I don't know, I have to see if I can get it from, from our house, but I probably don't need it. It's, it would only be to compete with you. <laughs> that's not, Don, that's not <laughs> a reason. No practical reason. Yeah. That's not a reason to make decisions like that. No, it's not. It should be responsible. Yeah. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, I will uh, talk to you later. All right. I'll throw uh, the links in the Dropbox and we're good to go. Please do. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.